streaming live soon. All right. Good morning, everyone. Uh, this is a day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice in it. We're going to do it whether we want to or not, right? Uh, today we're going to take a look at James chapter 2, uh, verses 14 through 17. And we're going to approach this just a little different than what you might think we're going to do. Um, let me go ahead and read these from the Amplified Version. Go ahead and read it from the Amplified what is the benefit, my fellow believers, if someone claims to have faith but has no good works? As evidence, can that kind of faith save him? No, a mere claim of faith is not a sufficient, genuine faith guarantee. It produces good works. If a brother or sister is without adequate clothing and lacks enough food for each day, and one of you says to them, Go in peace with my blessing. Keep warm and feed yourselves. But he does not give them the necessities for the body. What good does that do him? So too, faith, if it does not have works to back it up, is by itself dead, inoperative, or ineffective. Now, with that in mind, we go back, we're going to look at a couple of uh, a couple of things. Whenever I've heard this scripture over the years, I've always heard it in, in line with what we would call the social gospel. If you don't provide food, and, and, and that's true, you, we do that. I, you know, I can't think of a church in 47 years that my wife and I have been together, I can't think of a church that we were in that didn't either go to a food bank or homeless shelter or whatever, to help people with food. But I want to suggest to you that there's a lot more to this scripture than that. And uh, I want to dig into it. We're going to look at some uh, a couple of different things. First of all, what does the word work, what does that word mean? What What is the Greek word for work? And when you dig into it, you find that the, the Greek word is ergon, E-R-G-O-N. And just right off the right off the the tip, I'm thinking somewhere along the line that word became ergonomics for us. Somehow or another, they must be related. Uh, ergonomics being studying to make sure that your chairs and your desks and stuff fit right at work. But ergon simply means uh, the work of employment. Um, it says here, uh, generally speaking, it is the work which Jesus was sent to fulfill on earth, the work of which the Father gave Christ to do, the work of the Lord which He began and left to be continued by His disciples. The cause of Christ, the gospel-centered work, the work is committed to the apostles and teachers, the work of God, the work which God requires duty towards Him. So, We've got a pretty broad range, but I, I want to go back to uh, one of the main sentences in here. In this Greek definition, this comes from uh, Spiro Zodiades, um, Greek and Hebrew scholar. 
the work of which Jesus was sent to fulfill on earth. Now, let's go on. Let's look at a couple of other scriptures in here. He talks about where it says, uh, "Can the can uh, let's see here? Um, can your faith? Can that faith save him? Just doing works can that save him? Well, the word save is sozo, and that's quite an involved word. But basically." Uh, what we want to look at it says delivered to save, deliver, make whole, preserve, safe from danger, loss, and destruction. Um, then I, I, a couple other notes here on the word sozo. Of the instances where sozo is used, 14 relate to deliverance from disease or demon possession. 20 instances refer to the rescue of physical life from some impending peril or danger. And the remaining 20 times, the reference is to spiritual salvation. It's quite a broad word. There's no doubt about it. It's got a lot of involved with it. So what we want to do is look at some different scriptures. I'm going to dig into some different scriptures here. Let's look at Mark chapter 14. Verse 6 from the Amplified. But Jesus said, Let her alone. Why are you troubling her? She's done a good and beautiful thing to me, or she's done a good work, praiseworthy and noble. In a very real sense, I made a note on this, in a very real sense, this is the opposite from the standard social gospel work. Uh, the social gospel work, and, and it goes back, uh, you know, I'm thinking of, of um, Judas's complaint when, when on, on this alabaster uh, jar that was dumped on Jesus' head and his feet. He said that money could have been, that, that stuff could have been sold when we give the money to the poor. Well, in this sense, the way churches do this, and, you know, the social gospel, we, we, we feed the poor, we do that. But that's all that they seem to do. You, you know, it's very rare that I go to a church uh, that is feeding a lot of the poor and, and they're practicing the social gospel that you can go there to get prayed for healing, uh, that you can believe God for a miracle. But in this case, Jesus said she did a good work by taking what turns out to be about a year's salary worth of perfume and dumps it on his head. He said that was a good work. That was a good work. Took faith for her to do that. So keep think of that one. We'll keep that in mind. Um, let's look at Ephesians chapter four, verses eleven and twelve. This is from the New American Standard. He gave some apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. The work of service. Now, in this case, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, setting aside evangelists, which uh, when you think of evangelists, I think of uh, today Mario Murillo. You certainly think of Billy Graham. Um, Billy Sunday and 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 uh, many other evangelists, Charles Finney, Jonathan Edwards. We could go on. 
Think of evangelists, that, that that's what their job is, to preach the gospel and to bring people into the Lord. Uh, in that case, but he says that the pastors, the teachers, the prophets are for the equipping of the body for the work of service. So part of what Jesus' works are is to prepare people to go do the works. You see the difference? You prepare people's for the work of service. That's a work in and of itself. So, works here takes on a little different meaning. It means preparing the saints, not just giving food to the poor or clothing to the poor. We do that, but he's talking about here preparing the saints so that they can go do that. Big difference. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 from the New American Standard. Now it happened that one day he went into the house to do his work. Or pardon me, not 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 First Timothy. That was Genesis. I want I meant to read First Timothy. Big difference between the two. First Timothy three one. It is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of overseer, it's a fine work he desires to do. If someone wants to be a bishop. Someone wants to be a, a um, having good background in the Methodist Church, a district superintendent, something along that line, a bishop uh, for the North Georgia Conference. Uh, we could use a good bishop. Um, in that case, he's talking about an office overseeing a lot of, of uh, churches and other people. That is a work. That is a work. He's not necessarily referring to feeding the poor or clothing the poor. Again, I go back to that scripture in James. I think when most people read that, that's what they're thinking. That is what they're thinking, is that we've got to go out on the street and feed people, and we do that. But there's more to it than that. We're going to look at uh, a, few di uh, a few other verses in here that should kick us into high gear. Now, Genesis chapter 2, verses, verse 2 in the New American Standard. We see on the seventh day God completed His work which He had done and He rested on the seventh day from all His work which He had done. Now, the work, this is written in Hebrew, but the Septuagint uses the word ergon. The Septuagint being the Greek translation of the Old Testament that was done before my time and your time. It's the Greek word ergon that means work. So God rested from His work. Well, what was His work? <laughs> Pretty expansive, I would say. It wasn't, uh, I mean, when I read that and I said God rested from His work, I don't think he plopped down in a in a lazy boy and said, "Man, I'm tired." <laughs> he just got done with what he was going to do, and he he took the next day off to look at it. I guess Genesis 39 verse 11. Let's talk about that one. Now it happened one day that he went into his house to do his work, 
and none of the men of the household was inside there. Do you know who that was? Talking about Joseph. Uh, he, he, Potiphar had placed him in charge of everything, and he's just doing his work. He shows up. There's nobody else there but Mrs. Potiphar, and she has nefarious ideas about what Joseph should be doing. Didn't work out for her, and Joseph certainly paid a price for it, but it says that he was there to do his work, his labor, his, his eight-hour-a-day job. Now, let's go look at Exodus chapter 35, verse 2. For six days work, Ergon, may be done, but on the seventh day you shall have a holy day, a Sabbath of complete rest to the Lord, and whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. So we know immediately from reading that that the NFL had not been invented yet. So within this framework, God's talking a lot about our day-to-day life, work as part of our day-to-day life. Um, The work of a bishop, uh, the work of a teacher, a prophet, a pastor, uh, the work of an evangelist. Um, we read about the work of of um, uh, that the young lady did by pouring all the the perfume and stuff on Jesus' head. It's a broad range of the of the use of the word work. It's not just one thing. And again, I say I I would I would wager most people when they read this scripture in James, they're thinking in terms of feeding the poor, and so forth. and But that's all that they think about. They don't think about anything else. Now, let's go on and look at some stuff that Jesus did. I think he's a pretty good example. We need to find out what he has to say about all this. Let's look at John chapter 14, verse 12. Jesus says this, I assure you, most solemnly, I tell you, again, we're talking about the Amplified here. I assure you most solemnly, I tell you, if anyone steadfastly believes in me, he will himself be able to do the things that I do and do even greater things than these because I go to the Father. He'll be able to do the works that I do. Okay? Now we're moving into a different area of works. And this gets exciting because of the ramifications it has for you and me in today's environment, uh, what I call digital Babylon. The things that are going on today, this is what's going to have an effect on people. No offense, not feeding the poor and giving them clothes. Jesus said you'll have the poor with you always. We're always going to be able to do that, but there's more to this than that. And I would suggest to you that what's going to have the most impact may not be the social gospel. It may be the what I call the power gospel, and we're going to look at that. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power, ability, efficiency, and might when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, 
This is Jesus, and I was looking at this the other day. This is Jesus, uh, and uh, and Luke's talking to O most excellent Theopolis, and he's telling him what's going on, what 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 happened there with Jesus. And one of the, one of the interesting things is is that right now Jesus is getting ready to split. He's gonna be out of here, and he's gonna send the Holy Spirit. Now these guys don't know what that means. But I'm gonna I, I wanna I wanna look at Acts chapter one, and I'm gonna turn to that real quick. Now, go back to verse six. The disciples ask him. Now he shows up and he says to them, um, "You're gonna be baptized with the Holy Spirit," and he and he explains that. Now listen to their response, and I want you to think about this. Verse 6, so when they'd come together, they were asking him, is it at this time you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Think of Jesus. What what do you think that statement did to him? Now, clearly he's got confidence in what he's doing. That's not my point. But the thing is, he spent three years talking to these guys. And the last question that they get to pop to him here says, are, 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 you know, are, are we going to... Are you going to set up the political kingdom now or when? or When's that going to happen? In a very real sense, Jesus seems like he spent three years talking to these guys. And if you follow him through the Gospels, he told them many times, no, that's not going to happen. This has got to happen. I'm, I'm going to be sacrificed and so forth and so on. And it just didn't go through their heads. They didn't get it. And right here is indication that they still don't have it. Now, he's telling them that you'll receive power. What's the word power? Dunamis. Dynamite. Explosive power. Okay? Now, they don't get it, but he knows what's going to happen. So he goes on and tells them that you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, we go right back up to chapter 2. <coughs> Pardon me. You know what happens in chapter 2. They get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Tongues of fire. Tongues as if they were fire sat on them. And, and Peter preaches his sermon. 3,000 people get saved. Now, if you hold on to that thought right there, if you look at this, before that happened, anywhere in the Gospels, do you see Peter doing anything at all like what he just did here? No, you don't see that. When does that happen? Right after the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's when things take a turn, and Jesus knows that. He says, it's, it's good for you if I go away, because then I'll send the Holy Spirit. Well, you know, classic look at that. Jesus did all these incredible things. How could it be better for you to be somewhere else? And, and you know, how, how could that be a good thing? Well, it was. And now, in this time frame, Jesus is telling them that. And he goes on and he, he gets into John chapter 17. This was his, his what they call his priestly prayer, I believe. John chapter 17, look at verses 4 and 18. Now he's talking to the Father and listen to what he says. I glorified you on earth having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. 
In verse 18 he says, As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Well, what did Jesus get sent into the world to do? First uh, John chapter three, or yeah, First John three eight tells us that he came to destroy the works of the devil. That's what he was here for. Now, within this framework, I want you to go back and and uh, and I'm going to read. Uh, I'm going to read James again. I'm going to read it from a a, a little different translation. Uh, translation called the Legacy Bible, which is the Legacy Bible is really interesting. It's kind of a combination of the New American Standard, King James, and the American Standard Version, and they somehow or another they they pulled people together and came up with a translation that really pulls the best of three translations. It's kind of an interesting it's an interesting read. But let's go back and look at verses 14 through 17 from the Legacy. What use is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, but he doesn't have any works? What good is it if you say you've got faith, but you're not doing anything with it? Can that faith save him, sozo him? No. If a brother or sister is without clothing in need of daily food, and none of one of you says, go in peace, be warmed, and be filled, and yet you not give them what is necessary for the body, what use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead by itself. Now, again, he's talking about, you know, that's a practical thing you can do. Uh, do you need to give money here? Do you, do you need to do that? Yeah. But works involves much other, many, many other things. And I would suggest to you that we go look at Acts chapter 3. We're going to go take a look at Acts chapter 3 verse and... and, and um, Acts 3. Okay, this is the story where Peter and John are walking along and they run into this guy that has no ability to walk or anything. And I was telling somebody the other day, and I, I, I found out I was dating myself because they didn't know anything about this, but whenever I read this story, I think of a scene from a movie that Eddie Murphy was in, Trading Places, where he was begging money on the sideline and had his legs all wrapped up. And, and, and all of a sudden, when the police picked him up, his legs popped out. And he said, it's a miracle I can walk. Well, that actually did happen to this guy. It actually did happen. Now, think about this. Here's Peter, the guy that... that and. and and one half of the sons of thunder. Okay, these two guys are walking along. I don't know how many people are there. I I I don't know. Thousands, probably, hundreds at least. <clears throat> and it says that they fixed their gaze on this guy. And I think it was at that time they're talking to the Lord. And bang, he gets healed. Things happen with this guy that are beyond anything you've ever thought. And nothing like this has happened to Peter before. <clears throat> we do see the, the, the sermon that he gives after he gets baptized in the Holy Spirit. But this work, this work is critical because this is a man that gets healed. It's, a, it's the work of God. 
It's the things that God does. This guy gets healed. And it's really interesting, especially in the environment we're in today, this one healing literally turned the place upside down. There's only one guy. There's only one guy. Turned everything upside down. The Pharisees and Sadducees, man, they're, they're upset because you're preaching the raising from the dead. And, and Peter said that they, they noticed that these guys were uneducated men, but they'd been with Jesus. So, at this point, let's go look at a couple of other scriptures. And I know it seems like we've gotten a long way off from James, but we really haven't because we're talking about doing the works of faith. And we're talking about doing different works. We're talking about walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's go to... Um, let me find my sheet here. There it is. Let's go look at 1 Corinthians 2.4. First Corinthians two four. And my word and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom of dem, of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith would not be in the wisdom of men, but in the dunamis of God. Paul that's what Paul's saying. He's saying, I'm doing stuff. Not just talking about it, I'm actually doing it, what John Wimber called doing the stuff. Okay? Let's go on and look at, at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20. Paul talking again. For the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. Dunamis. Okay? Dunamis. The kind of power that enables you to do what John and James or what John and Peter did walking into the temple. Okay? We want to go from there. Let's look at Romans chapter 15, verses, and we'll go to verse 18. Romans chapter 15, and we'll look at verse 18. And. We'll look at a couple of verses here. Verse 18 and 19. Paul says, For I will not be bold to speak of anything except what Christ has brought about through me, leading to the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed, verse 19, in the dunamis of signs and wonders, in the power of the Spirit, so that from Jerusalem and all around, and as far as I, uh, uh, huh, Elicrium? Is that how you pronounce that? Elicrium. Yeah. I have my, I have my personal Sotheris sitting over here with me. Um, Elicrium. I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. I didn't just preach half of it, but people are getting healed. Miracles are happening. Uh, handkerchiefs are being taken to people. Shadows are being walked through. All of these things are the power of Christ. Now, I have one last scripture here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5. Let's look at that. 1 Thessalonians 1, 5. 
For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in dunamis and in the Holy Spirit and with full assurance, just as you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And in verse 6, you became imitators of us and the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Now, um, going back through this, I want you to understand, and you can see this from Paul, that the works that Jesus was talking about are works of power. That's what Paul's talking about. Peter did that. It's not just physical works. I'm going to go feed somebody. I'm going to go do this. It's actually bringing the power of the Holy Spirit, the dunamis, in to change people's lives. Now, I suggest to you that in today's environment, uh, where the the world, the, the politicians and everything, don't see the church as anything other than irrelevant or, or completely indifferent. It's this power, it's this dunamis that's going to change things for us. It's what's going to ha- what's going to turn things around, and it's going to be what changes lives is dunamis. It's not we. It's not giving food to the poor. That's important. Don't get me wrong. That's important. But I suggest to you, churches have been doing that all along, and look at the mess we're in now. But you find somebody that's actually doing what Jesus said we could do. We're walking in the same walks that he did. This guy over here, that his legs were completely useless, gets healed. This woman has a cancerous tumor that falls off on the floor. This guy has Alzheimer's and gets healed. This guy has ALS and gets healed. Those are the kind of miracles that are going to turn things around. And we will see them. We will see them. Jesus said we would. Let's close with prayer. Father, thank you so much for your word today. Help us to walk in your dunamis, Father, the dunamis of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. See you soon. Senhor, eu vejo o mundo triste Atribulado pela ação de Satanás